Welcome to the Freud's Angels podcast, where two highly intuitive women dig into everyday problems using our connection to the divine, psychology, and energy work. We support you in your self-awareness, growth, and aid you in your shadow work. Now we're your hosts. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Grace. Let's get into the show. Hello, angels. Welcome to episode 94 of the Freud's Angels podcast. What a day. (laughs) As always, we processed for quite some time before coming on here and hitting record. So I'm already, I'm primed. What are we talking about today, Grace? (laughs) Well, we're recording this, friends, on the 15th of May, which is, of course, the lunar eclipse, which is the closing of the eclipse window from the solar to the lunar. So, yeah, so it's it's in Scorpio. So there's a lot of big feelings, a lot of big, deep, deep feelings. So if you're listening to this and you're like, wow, man, I just feel like I came off of a bender, an emotional <laughs> bender, it's because of the eclipse. And to not only reflect that it is Mercury retrograde, friends, you know, there's going to be hiccups. There's going to be computer hiccups. My Something happened in my car that I was like, bitch, no, <laughs> like this is not happening because I am not fixing this because yeah. it's the nearly new car. So I was like, whatever, but, yeah. but it's all gone now because I'm just like, nope, when Mercury retrograde is over, if it's still here, I'll fix it but it won't be because I know it's mercury. So we just have to breathe and take everything with this huge aspirin assault. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about, and I don't even know the title of it yet because I'm not, I'm still working that out. So yeah, but we're going to talk about as we grow to be intuitive, if we have any idea, if we have any kind of information or knowledge about how the mind works, how people work, how trauma works and you you begin to kind of step into that intuitive space you begin to see people as a big picture as the whole picture as like okay i see that that person may have um because that person acts this way then they may have that type of wounding or you see the person as oh that person is um a boundary stepper or maybe they have codependent tendencies or they want to create codependent relationships Maybe they're a people pleaser. I'm a recovering people pleaser. Um, I can spot spot them a mile away. Um, But you also have the ideas of, okay, and if you have any knowledge of these types of woundings and traumas and what they do, we fall into that slippery slope of feeling like we're judging people. We have this sense of like, I'm judging that person. And cause I'm, cause you see their wounding. And so you're like, I don't want to spend time with that person because of that wounding. And it's sometimes very hard to distinguish having an understanding and being aware with compassion or neutrality or whatever we can achieve and judging a person. Yeah. There's a difference. There's a difference between discernment and judgment. Maybe that's the title discernment versus judgment. There we go. go. The caboose. The caboose has arrived. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The title caboose is here. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So I feel, and let's, let's start with, with having kind of that, I guess, let's start on the psychology end of things. Um, 
As, That's what or, I feel like doing too. <laughs> Whenever we say the psychology, I'm like, deep breath. Yeah. <laughs> oh Here gosh. it comes. <laughs> so for me, let me let me share my own experience rather than trying to create experiences that are not that are out of the air. Yeah. As I grew intuitively, I have I know enough about psychology. My dad was a psychologist. I took it in college. I feel that had being a healer wasn't an option. I probably would have been went to school to be a counselor or a psychologist of some sort. I have a lot of information about how the brain works because that's my biggest like uh, healing point for me is, is helping to deal with my mind and my traumas and how my trauma created trauma brain and how to heal it and how to rewire it. And what, it, so I have a lot of information floating up in my, my squishy melon here. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> With that knowledge, I understand that certain people can act certain ways. And, and I understand how, um, how that things may be triggered. Um, I will use um, my friend Yeshua for an example. Mm-hmm. I won't share any personal details, but he has a wounding of like, he, he has a very self, he's very self-critical. And what that can do is that that can be projected when he feels like a, he's done something wrong or he's not done something good enough or he's, or something in the situation didn't go to the way he wanted it to go or thought it should go. Um, Cause that's another trauma response. You're black or white. You're not gray. You're not allowing for the flow. You're allowing for it's either this or that. Mm-hmm. And had I not had that knowledge, I probably would have looked and felt that he was very, he was a highly critical person that I was just, I would have been like kind of put off by it, but having that understanding of how our mind works, I saw what was happening. Now I still could have been put off by it because sometimes people's energies, people's experiences cause them to have certain tendencies. Mm-hmm. And with that information, I'm able to say, I was able to say, I want this person as a friend and I want to spend a lot of time with this person because of, of whatever, or I could have said, that's not the type of the energy I'm trying to bring into my life. I can't, I can't emotionally cope with that type of intensity while I'm emotionally coping with my own life, my own trauma responses. Mm -hmm. So in, in that scope of having the understanding, and I, and I think even if you don't have an understanding of how the mind works, you have a sixth sense of somebody that's just not right. You're like, there's something about that person that we don't sick up. We don't feel energetically connected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which people, I, I feel like absolutely people think, call that the gut feeling, right? Like, I feel like that's probably the only place that the common person who's not trying to look into being intuitive connects to of the gut feeling about a person. That's like the phrase that you can say it to anybody. And they're like, Oh yeah, I get that. Right. Like we may not have a gut feeling about a hundred other things that we know we can be listening to, but the gut feeling about a person most people can, can relate to that because it's like an energetic thing. You just know, but you don't know why, you know. Yeah. 
<laughs> Absolutely. You made it seem so more simple. I'm trying to overcomplicate it. I'm like, <laughs> I'm having my own moment of, yeah, let's talk about this. And I'm like, uh, okay. well, I was just on that side of them, but like, because when we think of gut instinct, all of what you're saying goes into it. Yeah. And it's hard for people who haven't explored that to really see that all of those things are happening, that, that it goes bit by bit of information about people that it's not literally just like always as easy as, Oh, I just walked in that past this person. And I felt a gut feeling to look away, right? Like there's a whole other world of this. And that's what you're describing of, you know, having, having your intuition come in and then using the discernment of what the information is that you got. Yeah. What am I going to do with it? Yeah. Now, as you're saying that out loud, some of the things that occur to me is, is that there are people out there that use their intuition and their discernment in a really wrong, the wrong type of way. Mm -hmm. They think that they're discerning it based off of an appearance yes. of the person. Mm -hmm. And that's a judgment. That's not discernment. Right. It's those people that will see a gay couple, a black person, of any person of color, an indigenous person walking down the street, and then they go across the other side. That's not gut feeling. Yes. That is judgment. Mm -hmm. When you change your behavior based on the appearance of someone, a homeless person, like mm -hmm. you're like, oh, you know, he's got some mental instabilities, like that mm -hmm. assuming that is assumption that that person is this because of the judgment you've made based on their appearance that, mm -hmm. well, that's right. Also racism, but it's also and classism and all the isms and all the isms. <laughs> it, it's, it's a judgment. You've made it a judgment based off of some sort of narrative that you have in your mind about those types of situations or people. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not to say that there aren't situations where it's not the people, but you feel like something's going down and you're like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not okay crossing, you know, past this situation because I feel like I could be in danger. That's mm -hmm. okay. That's not mm -hmm. a judgment. It's such you're just situationally looking at it. However, however, um, we have to be very careful because I, I feel, cause in my mind, I'm hearing, I'm here, I'm having conversations in my head as well, we're, <laughs> while we're talking about this because, because I, I hear the, and I don't want to use their name, Karen, because I know a lot of lovely people who are named Karen that are not a Karen. They're more right. loving than you will ever know. Yeah. It's those people that try to avoid personal responsibility for themselves and blame everything on other people, which is what mm -hmm. people are Karen's are. They try to create a situation that isn't happening based on their thoughts and a judgment of that person. Mm -hmm. There are people out there that are going to use all this for fodder and twist it the way they want to twist it and use it. Absolutely. There are also people on the other side, the biopic people, the black indigenous people of color who are like, yep, just another excuse why white people can can just, you know, whitewash everything. And mm -hmm. the reason why I say that is, is because I'm not trying to not take responsibility for my actions mm -hmm. and nor am I trying, not trying to encourage other people to do that. We mm -hmm. have to be honest with ourselves. 
Yeah. What I'm saying is, and what we're trying, what I feel, and this took a weird turn for, <laughs> for what my point was in suggesting this topic was because we get to choose who we have in our life, mm-hmm. what friends we have, the environment, the culture, the community we build, we have a choice. And I know that, that sometimes when we kind of hang out with a person and we have that gut feeling or knowing that person, knowing their tendencies, we're like, I don't really want them in my inner circle. And to some that feels like a judgment because we're judging them for their experience. And we're saying that we don't want them. That's different. Yeah. That's protecting your inner sanctum. Like there are people in this world who love people pleasers and will take everything that they have from a people pleaser that they can because they know that person's going to give them whatever they want yes and you know as you use your discernment you can smell them a mile away you can figure that out really quick and then you have the ability to say no i don't want i don't want that energy in my inner circle you you have the ability to say this is my inner sanctum this is who I protect, who I bring into my inner circle and who I don't. And if you know a person's tendencies, you know, they they could be narcissistic. They could be just a person who's seeking a codependent relationship subconsciously, or they could be a person who just doesn't see people as people. You know, mm-hmm. I choose not to have people who are racist in my life because I happen to love and support people of color and, you know, and, their process and their struggles and I, I, you know, and the, and the reformation that we're trying to make for that, you know, I support that. So I'm not going to have a person who's racism or anti, you know, BIPOC and I'm not going to have them in my life because I don't support, I I don't agree with it. Mm -hmm. Which I think is like, um, it, it, it sometimes is a like a fine line, right? Like there are people that will feel like that's not who I am and they'll tell you and, and then then you need to have a better reason for why. And I think that that the part that that I think gets gets misconstrued is the intuition bouncing off of yourself. Right. So that's where our discernment comes in, right? Of like this, how does this bounce off of me? Because that person could be great for somebody else to be hanging out with. I mean, not saying that, you know, Hey, racists go be racist with racist people. Like I really think you need to work on your racism, but (laughs) in terms of like any of the other stuff, it's kind of like, well, you know, evaluating this person's experience and mindset and all of that kind of stuff. And really feeling like you have the option to bounce that off of your own and say, this fits or this doesn't fit in whatever way and letting that be okay. Versus feeling like you now have to reject like very violently that person because you don't like them. Right. Like, so when we think about this topic, that's what I feel like is a struggle for me is that, um, I've always been like, I love everyone. Right. Cause for one, for one, I didn't let a lot of people in for a long time. So it was real easy to love people because they couldn't hurt me. Quote unquote. Um, <laughs> they were always on the outside. <laughs> if the wall is high enough. You can yeah. safely love everybody. 
absolutely. We'll hang out when it's time to hang out. And then I will go back into my cave and my world will be nice and safe. Um, So (laughs) absolutely. Um, But then as I've grown and be, you know, really opened up into the, the, the intuition and allowing it to be there and allowing myself to discern who I want in, because I want people in there um, that, that struggle becomes real of like, what is programming? What is programming me to judge people negatively, um, right or wrong, right? Like I, and I have to make that decision, right? Like when we, even when we talk about, um, I don't believe that if you have racist tendencies that you'll always have them if you pay attention to it, right? So like, I mean, there are times in my life where I've lived in areas that were you know, very diverse. And I would have to fight against that and be like, are you just afraid because people don't look like you or where you are or what, what's the deal? Is this your intuition or is this some sort of deep programming that you have because you lived in white podunk, New Hampshire? Like, (laughs) like really sometimes that was a struggle. (laughs) And they were twins. Right. Right. Exactly. Sometimes that was a struggle because I mean, let's face it. I was kind of, you know, in the hood sometimes. So it was like, you maybe are just having a safety response that's appropriate and you should follow that. But, um, I found that as I've gotten older and as I've gotten deeper into, um, being intuitive and allowing that to be, uh, a, like a, a thing that I'm paying attention to and being intentional about, it becomes really difficult to like not say yes to everybody who wants to be friends or to let some people, you know, through the wall and keep the wall up for others and not feel like you're being a real jerk about it. Um, especially, and this is where that intuition comes in, especially when you just know, (laughs) and you didn't even take it apart because sometimes I don't, sometimes I don't feel like I need to sit and analyze it. People love as soon as they find out that you are a therapist or a counselor of any kind. I can't count how many times I've heard, well, you're going to psychoanalyze me. And then if I do in any way have any kind of, uh, say knowledge or observation, that's what I get called out on as psychoanalyzing somebody. And I'm not a patient and I'm not whatever. And it's like, that's not what's happening here. I don't need to psychoanalyze anybody unless you're paying me. And I don't even want to do it then because that's not how I operate. I'm going on what I know. I know it. I don't know how to tell you that I know it. And I'm not even saying it's bad about you. I'm just saying it doesn't fit. Right. It doesn't fit with me when it bounces off of my energy and you don't fit there. And people don't like to hear that because it sounds like it's a rejection of them. And that's something that I struggle with. I have a really hard time trying to explain to people why I don't want them here in my life because people are very much used to just showing up and here you are and you get to be here and I will take care of you and I will love you and I will validate you. And it's exhausting. And I had to start protecting my own energy. And I realized that I have to continue and fight even harder to protect my own energy as I decide to use my, my intuition intentionally. Yeah. And I think that that's like the, the struggle that we're talking about, you know, of like trying to have a neutral understanding of what information is coming through about a person, you know, what that 
that gut instinct is saying and allowing it not to be a negative judgment, just allowing it to be information that I'm now going to decide how I want to proceed based on my own needs in my life. Yep. 100%. And <clears throat> when that happens, there's always fallout. You know, I yes. feel we had this conversation back when we are willing to let go of friends who don't fit into our energy space anymore. We, we there's another podcast, I don't know when it was, but <laughs> that we talked about friendships and how our spiritual growth and how that impacts our relationships. <sighs> when I started my journey, I had a few friends who were very codependent. And one of the things, common things is like, you've changed. It's like, you don't text me. You don't call me, you don't, because I was conserving my energy because I put all of my energy out into the people that I had codependent relationships with. Mm -hmm. And I had none for myself. And then I complained that nobody helped me or took care of me, but I never asked but I never had boundaries. So to them, it looked like a rejection. But to me, it was about me understanding how unfair to myself I've been for so long. Mm-hmm. And it's, it is hard to explain that to people. It's hard to share that and say, look, I've been neglecting myself for the sake of others. And it's not that it's a bad thing or that they did anything bad or wrong. It's that I created a situation where I gave everything and that I didn't hold any back for myself. And it isn't about what they did or they gave me because it isn't their fault. They didn't force me to give everything that I had to them and all my waking moments to them. Yeah. It's my fault because I didn't protect the sanctity of my energy. Mm -hmm. And when we are able to see this, I think is when we're able to do the shifting to have protection. I mean, and I think this goes beyond even into the idea of protecting our energy. If you're any type of an intuitive person or a person who helps others, whether you're a healer, whether you're a therapist, whether you're a doctor or a nurse, there's a lot of output. There's a lot of out giving constantly. You're opening the door to connect with that person energetically, but it's almost like there's no, there's no balance. There's no sense of like, only turn the knob halfway, not all the way. Like there's no sense of just using enough to connect, but not using all of it to like, you don't need to be full on all the time. That's what I'm trying to say is that that part of learning how to be discerning about who's in your energy field and how much time and how much energy that you're willing to put out. And I know this sounds Super, like, as I'm saying it, I'm like, that sounds horrible. It's not, (laughs) it's not though. I mean, it's, it's like the old adage when they say that a a carpenter's house is never finished. It's because a carpenter doesn't want to go to work and then come home and do work. Right. Right. That's how I feel when I don't have energy for people because I'm on however many hours a week connecting with people on a deep, deep level because they need the service that I'm providing for them. They're paying for that service. Then on top of it, I am a mom and that, and I want her to get even more than what anybody else gets because I created her. (laughs) She deserves that. So then when people get mad at me, because I don't want to spend two hours on the phone with them, it's like, dude, 
<laughs> I don't have, I already don't have time for me. The time for me I have is at night when I'm depleted. It's not fun time. I can't do <laughs> much at that time. So on a Saturday afternoon, when I want to chill as much as I can, I've already given away so much energy and barely put any of it back. I can't have, I can't fill that with people who want to take more of my energy. And that, that's that discussion that's really hard to have with people because they see their, some people, I'm not going to say everybody, because I have plenty of people that understand my boundaries and understand me. And I love them so much because they get it. They get that shooting a text here and there is love and they don't need constant attention. And that's what I, that's what I need. (laughs) But the people who don't get it, it's kind of like, you're depending on me for something is what's happening right now. And I don't want to be depended on that way. I just don't because I already have made a commitment to make my energy be where I receive uh, funds, (laughs) right? Like that's, that's my job, man. And I've chosen that. And that's where I want that energy to go. And my daughter, and I get to have that choice and I get to block out as much of the other that I, that I want to. And it's hard for a people pleaser to do that, man. It's freaking hard. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. (laughs) Right now I feel guilty talking about it out loud. (laughs) I know it feels cringeworthy, right? You feel you're you're like, oh, but here's the thing. Okay. Here's the thing we've been taught, especially women, you know, the girls, little girls, we've been taught to give everything to everybody, like to be that person. And to be honest with you, we need to be taught how to hold our, like, hold our energy as a sacred thing, like that we need to put ourselves first energetically and then allow others in because if you don't have the bandwidth when I don't have the bandwidth to cope with like say I mean uh, god bless her my friend Tammy she's she's one that that you know reaches out sometimes because she's going through some healing she's going through some stuff right that's that's what we do we help each other we're you know but when I'm not okay and I don't have the bandwidth I've learned I have to say that I say I'm absolutely here to listen, but I don't have the bandwidth in order to help you right now. I'm kind of emotionally not okay. And so I will choose when I listen to her messages and when I don't and have discernment about it because I care about her. I know she's, I know I'm one of the only people in her life that understands and accepts who she is, but that's also not my problem. Yeah. That's not my problem. If you, if my friends, God bless them, I'm always here to help in a situation. If, if you're not able to maintain and manage your own energy, your own process, and you're always looking to me to put out your fires, I, I, I can't be that. I can't, I can't be that. Yeah. Well, I think of it now, which I never thought of it before as enabling people to be codependent, like enabling them because you're coming to me for healing number one, without paying me. So first of all, now I'm freely giving lots and lots of energy to you, but also because you're not paying me, you don't have any repercussion 
for doing this. So there isn't as much of a motivation for this to change. And I learned that the hard way through a lot of people who, I mean, I'm going to say years that I was their unofficial therapist or you're such a good friend, but it was really like, I'm such a good free therapist that you're not listening to because you don't have any kind of responsibility here. There's no accountability for whether or not you take action in your life. You just, you want this sounding board and I'm enabling you to use me this way. And man, was that hard to get into my own head because it came across all that guilt of, well, now you're going to be a crappy friend because now they depend on you and you're just going to leave them hanging. And who do they have? But I remember once, and I don't remember who it was, which is a shame because it was great advice. Um, It was after my ex-husband and I broke up and we were talking about friends or whatever, and he didn't have a lot of friends. And she was like, that is a red flag, my friend. And I said, what do you mean? She said, when people don't have people in their lives, you got to think about why that could be. Yeah. Because not that everybody needs to have a million people, but if they have zero people and they have to depend on you, they've burned everybody else out. And yeah. I was like, damn it. <laughs> like, my God. And that opened my eyes to a lot of, you know, whenever I hear that you're the only one who understands, I right away have to stop and evaluate and be like, why am I the only one who understands? It's not because you're stroking my ego right now, but why? I can't let my ego be stroked as being the greatest therapist ever if you're using me because you burned everybody else out. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, whoa, (laughs) ah, now what do I do? (laughs) And and because of being that, because we are people pleasers, because we're self-aware and we, you know, we have been the therapist without being paid. Trust me, that's what my, 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 my friends used to say that all the time. They're like, it's like, I have a therapist friend and I'm like, Ugh. yeah, you do. And you get it for free. Like you owe me about $10,000. son. It's like, don't you realize that by now? No. Um, Cause again, it is our fault. It is. It truly is. It's, it's per my personal responsibility not to be that. And I chose right. to be that in this relationship. So, right. so that's why when we begin to take that discernment part, when we get, begin to say, okay, I can't be sustaining off of being everybody's therapist for free. What do I need to do? How do I need to kind of come back and, and reform relationships where they're, they're not, they're not ever going to be balanced in the way we think balance, but yeah. there is a give and take. Like mm-hmm. my friend, Yeshua, he's a perfect example. He's one of the first friends that, you know, that, in, in before, you know, before I reconnected with Vanessa, where there was a back and forth, there was a, I hold space for him. And I, I help him in different ways. And then he holds space for me in my processing and he helps me in different ways. So there's always a give and take. Is it ever equal? It doesn't matter for me. It doesn't matter because Mm -hmm. I get, I feel like I get enough mutual time and energy and respect and, and attention of him. And like when we're hanging out that it, it, it's the same as what I would give him. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's of the same energy of the same caring supportiveness. Yep. And And that helps us get the information so that when we're coming across people and we're reading their energy, 
we have information about, well, what do I need in a relationship? What's the balance that works for me? Is this person more of a taker than a giver? Well, then I see what's going to happen here, possibly, depending on how they're going to take, you know, like, I mean, it all fits in, you know, when you start talking about it like that, you're like, oh yeah, well, once we find that balance with somebody, it adds on some more information for all those processes to go. When that intuition hits, all those processes in the back of our heads are like scanning for, is this good? Does it bounce off us? Well, (laughs) yeah, my God. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, you know, if we think about it and we get right down to it and we get personal, it's like, there's a reason why Sunday mornings are so important to us because it's our way of mutually supporting other ourselves together to cope with what we're experiencing and to have support in that way. That's not like unbalanced. That is very balanced. That is very, when I'm coming and I'm crying my eyes out and I'm bawling my eyes out that you're supporting me. And then when you're coming and you're frustrated or whatever, there's that mutual sense of, I can count on Vanessa and Vanessa can count on me. And there's, there's that understanding. And I think that that's what most of us don't learn as we grow up, because we grow up in situations where what we do needs to be approved and we need to please our parents. And there isn't a sense of a mutual sense of like give and take like, okay, you know, the idea that in order for me to have worth and pride and pride in me from my parents is I have to please them. I have to do all of the things they tell me to do or be the ultimate daughter or be to get the acceptance that I need. And it's like, (laughs) it's like, it just, it's so starkly obvious as an afterthought that I, we could create mutually supportive relationships and that I respect my mom and that she respects me and she takes care of me and nurtures me. But when there's part of that equation that is default, meaning my mother doesn't not nurture me and protect me and love me, that I have to overcompensate and become the people pleaser in order to feel like I'm worthy of it. So there's roots. There's a lot of roots. Absolutely. And that's part of the, you know, the, the difficulty sometimes of what we are talking about of like that discernment that the, like, where is this coming from? Is this intuition energy reading or is this trauma coming up? Is this, you know, am I making this decision about what to do with this person in front of me based on pure energy reading and, you know, getting information from the universe or is this person in front of me receiving the benefit or the deficit of my trauma? And like, that's so difficult. And as you grow, I mean, I, I have struggled so hard with this, that it's like the pandemic was a freaking godsend for me (laughs) because I got to stay away from everybody. And it sounds like even saying it right now, I'm like, Oh God, it's so unvanessa. Like, like the version of me in everybody's head is the opposite of that. Like I always was everywhere with everybody. And it was like, yeah, well, cause I felt like I had to be in order to maintain relationships and friendships. And I was giving every single, everything that I had, yep. you know, um, to maintain them because I thought that's what I had to do. I've learned differently 
And some of those people stayed along because that wasn't what they were there for. And then other people fell off because it is what they were there for. But I had to be the driver. I had to sit down and say, Vanessa, you need to scan better (laughs) and you need to have boundaries and you need to know yourself. And that's where this comes in. And and I feel like I also have a trouble backpedaling. (laughs) This is something that's really important. Um, I have trouble backpedaling. So I will get very, very excited and go head first because I forget this part of me. And then I feel I have to backpedal and pull away from people that are now used to me being there. Right. Yeah. So hard to be like, well, yeah, I wanted to like jump in the pool, but now I'm out (laughs) like all the way out. I don't even want my feet in there right now. And it's hard. It's really hard. I, I've been trying to be more mindful of not jumping all the way in. it's hard for me because I love it. When I, when I'm excited about something, I want to jump all the way in. And if people are involved, I get excited about it. But then those people have an expectation of me that is false because I'm not going to, I'm not going to maintain it. Right. And it makes me feel like I'm going to let them down. So it is a lot of like, you know, managing how I speak to people, um, what I want and knowing how to act accordingly so that I give myself less BS to deal with. (laughs) That's what I'm learning. (laughs) It's like, okay, so you'll have less backpedaling to do if you pedal forward with caution, (laughs) scan, pay attention so many times when I look and I'm like, you knew that person was going to be clingy. You knew it. You knew it from the beginning. Why didn't you just go slowly? Why'd you go letting it happen? (laughs) And now all of a sudden you're like, oh God, I can't get out. (laughs) Well, and, and you also, there is a point of self-awareness too. It was like my epiphany around Christmas. Like when I was, uh, with, I have, we have a group of friends here that we call one of our friends calls us the Bohemians and we're really not, but it's a, it's a funny moniker that he's named us because we talk about our feelings all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> they're all therapists, but one, yeah. so yeah. it's not, it's hard not to talk about your, your feelings, you know, right. when you're gonna, with a group of therapists, but yeah. we support each other and that's the thing. Um, so when I wanted to do big cabin adventures for Christmas, like do a kind of a together kind of, fun times. Let's, you know, go. And so we rented a cabin and Airbnb in the woods and it was amazing. It was gorgeous. It was beautiful. Um, but you know, when I was thinking about gifts and we were thinking about Christmas and I was thinking about whatever, I was trying to do all the things and be all the things to all these people in order to feel like I deserve their support. Mm -hmm. And it took me a second to be like, okay, first of all, that's what my mother would do. That was a rude awakening. And then I was like, are we doing people pleasing tendencies here? Like I had to catch myself because I was like, why, what is the motive behind doing this? Do I, I love giving at Christmas. I love it. I love giving at Christmas, but I'm like, is it necessary? Are you going to financially go into some sort of like conflict because you're in this space Mm -hmm. like what is it going to do to you by wanting to prove to everybody that you can do and be everything all giving to them yeah 
And it made me realize the moments like where I'm still people pleasing and I'm still creating relationships that are not healthy and that are a detriment to me. And I'm like, oh no, oh no, 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 no. And I'm just like, nope. And I thank God I realized it before I went bought all the stuff, but it was just like, okay, no, I don't have to do this. I can do me and show up as me and do the things that I love to do. And it's okay. It's okay. That's enough. I am the gift. We are the gift. Yeah. Yes. And that the above and the above and beyond isn't going to be what we think it's going to be. Cause I think that's what I had to, I mean, we, when we talked about it in the pregame, I was thinking about that. And I was like, so much of my turmoil comes from what my actions mean and then what they mean to other people (laughs) and then wanting it all to match up. And it's like, guess what, girl, (laughs) not going to (laughs) happen. And then you're going to have expectation and then you're going to create expectation in the other person. Right. So for me, it's kind of like, a two hour phone call on a Saturday to, I need you to know how special that is. Right. Cause I don't want to do it. <laughs> so if I do it, you need to know how special it is on the other end. They're just kind of like, well, you did it. So how, like, if you didn't want to do it, don't do it. You know? And it's like, that's not what I want you to do. <laughs> I want you to know how special it is so that you don't expect it. <laughs> I got my deja vu just then. Oh my God. <laughs> I've been here. Yeah, exactly. And it's, I mean, it's hard. It's hard for me to not expect from other people the same thing that I give, you know, I, and the meanings behind it, right? Like not everybody is me and I need to not expect that, but I also need to understand that they're not going to receive it as me either. They're not going to give as me, nor are they going to receive as me. (laughs) So like button that up, but that's, you know, that's that inner work that we do so that when we have these, when we have this go on with bringing new people into our lives, that we are so much more mindful of what we're doing, what we're giving, who we're bringing in, what they're uh, bringing with them. You know, one of the great points that you had made in our pregame was the idea that you know, we're not looking for perfect people. There's no such thing, or there is such thing. Everybody's perfect in their moment. That's the only, that's the, the height of our percept, our perfection is every day. Like Wayne Dyer says, we're perfect in every moment because we're doing the best we can. And like the idea that we want people to come into our lives that are committed to their growth and their healing and understanding other people and understanding me the same way that we're understanding somebody else. So we're not looking for people to have it all figured out. We just want people who want to do the work and want to be healthy so that when we're sitting there and we're getting that intuitive hit, I, if, if you come to me and you've got issues, but I see that, you deeply are working on them, you have a different energy about you than somebody who comes to me with a ton of issues and literally no desire (laughs) to do anything but unload them on everybody. (laughs) Or to be personally responsible for their own emotions, like it's, and their projections. And that's, you know, I can love people through their trauma. I don't need people to be solved and to have shit figured out. That's not, that is so not where I'm going with this. Mm -hmm. But I think that's what people feel is that it's like, oh, well, if I'm not perfect, you're not going to let me in your circle. And it's like, no, 
<laughs> I, I just, I will really want you to take personal responsibility for your actions and your energy. Yeah. And, and more your energy than your actions, because your energy <laughs> speaks a lot more than people's actions. Right. And it's like, really? I, I just, you know, I, when, when Yeshua and I had that argument, when I first moved up here, those two arguments back to back, it took me a while to realize and understand that he had triggered my abandonment trauma and that because he was yelling and because there was an argument that I was, he was going to run, he was going to leave me as a friend. Like that's what people do when, you know, that's why I can't, I can't handle people who want to argue and shout. I, I, people who shout like are really loud. I'm like already triggered, like just thinking about it, but it took me a while and I realized I wasn't connecting to the relationship. Mm-hmm. And had I not had an awareness and wanted to understand what I was projecting into the friendship, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have figured out that that's what I would, that it's, that's what I was triggering yeah. But because I know Yeshua and I, because I always am aware and ask him if he's in a good headspace to have a conversation. Cause sometimes people are not. Mm-hmm. And I, and having and sharing with him what I experienced, we work through it together. Yeah. We work through it. My, cause he had, he had already had space to work through his. I didn't realize that I never, I didn't even know that that's what was happening until later. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, six months, a year later, I was able to have the conversation of this is what was happening. And I feel like I've been holding back in our friendship because of that happening. And I'm sorry, because I didn't intend to do that. I didn't realize that that was the trigger. I thought it was just me and my depression. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we had a conversation and he held space. He didn't do or change or he just said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. And I was like, it's okay. I understand it now. And I was able to let it go. We Mm -hmm. weren't perfect people in any of those moments. But we were willing to say, I was willing to say, wow, I've been holding back in our friendship because of my trigger. And he was able to receive that as me recognizing what happened and, and sharing with him what I, what I was seeing and feeling. And, and, you know, and he, when he did his processing, I was able to hear and see and feel what he was feeling. And neither of us expected perfection. We didn't expect it to like go away. We didn't need to shout at each other. We just shared and it was okay. We shared our messes and owned what we needed to own in it. And then we were good. And, and, and that's, I think people look for that big resolution and that sense of like rightness with it. And it's not about being right. It's about being able to understand and love yourself through all of the processes. Right. And share it with somebody who cares enough to hear and hold space for you. Yeah. That's what friendship is to me is somebody who cares enough to hold space regardless. I don't need, I don't need answers unless I'm asking for them. Sometimes I just need to hold space. You know, Mm -hmm. if, even if it's about you, it's like, I'm never going to come at you did this and you did that. Cause I'm aware that it's not what they did. It's how I reacted to what they did and what that says about me versus what it said about them. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And those are the kind of relationships that like, I think everybody says that they want, but when you're not doing the work yourself, it's hard to find them. It's hard to uh, attract them. And then it's hard to see the difference. Um, Right. Because there's a lot of people out there that want to talk, 
but not a lot of people that want to resolve. And um, that's, that's something that I, I, I mean, I mostly learned it through romantic relationships. If I'm being honest, I, f- I feel like friendship wise, I've done a pretty great job, you know, here and there, I've had some people that, you know, became extra dependent, but I have learned how to, to create that but romantic relationships, forget it. Like I'm still working on that yeah. of, you know, what is that like to, to resolve an issue and who is that like, you know, because I don't have a frame of reference when we talk about, you know, when you talk about Yeshua, I'm like, yeah, I want to have that. Like, I want that build in, built into the masculine energy that I recognize <laughs> so that I will recognize it in, you know, right away in another. But when it's not there, I don't recognize it. I recognize the, the negative stuff and that feels like home and I don't want that anymore. And this is kind of, you know, this, the evolution of, you know, intuition is, um, allowing yourself to kind of use what you're getting to yeah. bounce off what you need and what you understand. And, and if you don't allowing yourself to take a pause, you know, like for me, you know, with romantic relationships, that's going to be my, my challenge going forward of being like, well, dude, you don't really have a good frame of reference. You don't really have a, the knowledge of what that feels like to have the equanimity. So you're going to have to work pretty hard at like, so what's your intuition saying now pause, does it bounce off of what you're looking for? Does it look like what you've always seen? Is this person talking for the sake of talking? Or is this person really talking for connection? Is this person really connected with themselves or is, are they talking from their, you know, ego? And that's, I mean, I know that's going to be a challenge for me, but I feel like feel like fingers crossed as as I grow my intuition this will get easier (laughs) yeah yes and then and that's something to also know is that learning what you want in a friendship is also a process of self-discovery because how do you know if all you've ever had is codependent relationships or relationships where you give everything how do you know what that looks like you don't you don't until you come across somebody who does and who has boundaries and who has this sense of like, guys, here's, here's, this is just all the light bulb go off. <laughs> I like literally saw it. <laughs> Vanessa and I, I don't even have Vanessa's phone number. We don't text over the cell phone. We text through Facebook messenger. So true. like, but we are deeply supportive of each other. So yeah. if, if you can do that and be deeply supportive of someone and not need the feel the need to constantly text or be a part, um, you know, you, if you need to connect, but if you don't, you don't, but because I'm absent or because I'm not talking to her, not texting her or not calling her, does it make me feel like she's there for me any less? Yeah. In fact, Even when we take weeks off and we don't yeah. talk to each other, it's never that like, Oh no. In that moment, if she was like, uh, I need to talk, I need to work something out. I'm like, how do you want to do it? Zoom, Facebook, what, 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 what thing are we doing it on? Like I'm right there because, but knowing that and having that, that's having a person in your inbox, in your text messages, in your, on your missed calls, having all of that does not constitute good friendship. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. What is good friendship? Sometimes if you're an introvert like me, it's 
having that friendship, knowing that that person's there and knowing that you can count on them at any moment, you know, unless they're, they're situationally can't, I mean, you know, there's moments where we can't help each other, but Mm -hmm. knowing that we would do our best to help each other in any situation, that's all that's needed. And it's trusted. There's a trust because Mm -hmm. there's a mutual understanding of support. It takes a minute to get here. It takes a minute to understand what that feels like and what that is. And generally, most of the time, until you find a friend that is like that, it's hard to, it's hard to understand why it's important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I I will say once you do it, it really, I mean, since learning how to cut the, the, the cords with the people that were, you know, sucking me dry, it's like unbearable when I get into any kind of situation where it feels that way, because it is so far from what I want now that like, whoa, and those energetic cords, like when you were talking, all I could think about was energetic cords and being like, they exist just like when we, when people pass and we know they're still here, that's how I feel about my friends is that I'm like, I know you're still there. I know that if I want to go on a vacation and I want you to come with me, I can text you. And, and even if I haven't seen you in three years, you're going to consider it because you're my friend. I don't have to talk to you all the time. We're still friends. (laughs) I mean, I show up in New Jersey randomly, right? Like I'm just like, guys, I'll be there next weekend. And I see a bunch of people that I haven't seen in years, but the energetic cord never changed. So I didn't have to maintain those friendships any other way, but having an energetic cord that we both had and felt and, and continued to nurture subconsciously. And that's, you know, we talk about a lot about cutting cords. That's a good conversation too. And and about cutting them, but there are cords we want to keep there. There's not, you don't want to disconnect from everything and everybody, because if you have a mutually loving relationship, I mean, come on, Vanessa and I probably, the last time we saw each other, was my graduation in 1995. I moved to Pennsylvania to go to school. Yeah. I did not talk to Vanessa until sometime. Oh gosh. It had to have been around 2011, 2010, 11, right around there because, and so it was, it was, like between 2009 and 2011, because I lived in a, that apart. I remember the apartment I lived in and we were connected that many years later. And then we were like, Hey, you know what up? And then like, we just kind of existed on Facebook friends didn't really mm-hmm. talk, didn't really connect until like I moved to Sedona and started doing the earth angels thing. Yep. And then it became this big thing. And Vanessa and I'm like, Oh, and I felt the deep need that I had to do something with Vanessa. Like, mm-hmm. I knew at that moment that we had to create something together yeah. and then shit and happened. That- it didn't work. Shit and in her life was happening. Shit in my life was happening. She had babies. Like, but even happened. then you said, do you want to do this? And I had no idea what I was doing. And I was like, yes, I do. Yes. <laughs> sure. Tell me how to show up. Yeah. Like, so that's so funny. So friendship well, some of us, maybe, maybe you want more of a friendship that you're day to day, you're every day, you're connecting. I, that's okay. Yeah. And there are friendships out there for you for that. But for those of us who work with healing others, whether it's through psychology, energy, whatever, 
we tend to be more introverted and want less people exposure than the norm. So if you're one of those people, just know that there are friends out there that are like that. My friend Saya in Sedona, we don't talk every day. We generally don't talk unless I have a question. She has a question. I just did her taxes for her because she needed her taxes done. So there was like all of this like sense of back and forth. Yeah. But I know she's always there and she knows that all she has to do is contact me and I will do my best I can to help her. Mm -hmm. That's what friendships are. That's to me, the friendships that I like. I have my day-to-day friends that are live close to me that I see every Friday night. Like that's all that I need. And even then I'm selective of how many Friday nights I attend to. Absolutely. It's, it's very much possible to have the friendship that not only helps you thrive, but also that you can help another person thrive as well. There is, Mm -hmm. there is friend, there are friendships that are possible to be mutually loving and kind and understanding. Mm -hmm. And sometimes friendships can be a little bit uneven for a minute. They can Mm -hmm. be that you give a lot for a moment, but sometimes we need to forget because we are healers of whatever type that we can also rely on that person. It's Mm -hmm. my fault for sometimes not remembering that I can share my experience with Tammy and she will be supportive of me. If I don't share it, if I don't share my need or talk through things through it's I'm, she can't give me the same space if I don't share with her. Yeah. And that's, that's the problem with codependency is that if I'm not sharing my own stuff, the way she's sharing her stuff, then how can she create a safe environment for me when I'm not even giving her a chance to create that environment? Yeah. So it's when we can trust the other person. That's the the thing is, is that's how we need to do it. We need to trust someone else with our own feelings and, and sharing. And you can say, I don't need advice. I just wanted to share this is weighing heavy on my heart. That's perfect. Mm -hmm. It's perfect. Yeah. So yeah, it's possible. <laughs> it's possible. Yeah. And it, it, it's going to shift, you know, I mean, what, what we've been saying the whole time is that this isn't how it always has been. And it may not be how it always is. I mean, who, who knows what the future holds, right. you know, depending on what we do in our business, there might be a time where we add on lots of people that were around, you know, we, we do a retreat in person. We're intentionally bringing tons of energy to us and that will be something that we'll want to do, but until then we won't do it. And it's just kind of that understanding that I'm starting to gain of the ebbs and flows of my life and how to manage what it's like to, um, have that, that open intuition and that that knowledge about people and then learning how to fit them in my life or not fit them in my life, depending on what I'm, what I'm looking for in that moment. Um, you know, even future sometimes I think, you know, where, where I meet somebody and I'm like, Oh, I don't have the time right now to nurture a relationship, but I don't want to lose this person. You know, I don't want them to feel like I don't, that I'm not interested in a friendship. I just don't have a lot of energy right now. I'll be able to communicate that. Like, you know, like I maybe can only be a Facebook friend for right now because I have a lot going on, but you know, I, 
I'm into that if you're into that, you know, and then allowing right up front saying, I'm not going to give you anything. And so now you have a choice of whether or not that works for you too, so that nobody's mad, (laughs) so that nobody feels left behind or ignored or used or whatever. And it's, I mean, it's growing because it, again, like it feels like as that intuition grows, there's so much more of like, oh, why do I know that? <laughs> you know, like, and, and me, I'm bouncing it off of like, is this a therapy thing or is this an intuition thing? <laughs> and sometimes it's really blurry because <laughs> it's both. <laughs> and just like, oh God, like the, the line between psychoanalysis and, uh, you know, intuitive hits, you know, I'm towing that line a lot, but either way, it's like taking that pause and being like, okay, I want to use discernment. I'm not being judgmental, you know, and being able to say that I'm not being judgmental because if I dismiss it right away, I'm going to do a disservice to that relationship right away. I'm going to enter into that friendship with false pretenses (laughs) or none, because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I haven't decided. And then it will become something hard to manage because I'm not managing it from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. So I want to pause kind of here towards the end to talk about two things. One is in our previous podcast this week, we explained on May 20 something, we were going to do a panel. So we have decided to push that out a little bit because Vanessa's got a full life right now. And I've got a full life. I'm trying to figure some shit out. So, and it's Mercury retrograde. Who wants to do a panel on Mercury retrograde? (laughs) Yeah. So we've changed the date of our first panel to June 25th. I believe that was the day we chose. It's a Saturday. It's from 6 p.m. Eastern time to 7 or 8 p.m. Eastern time, depending on the amount of questions, the amount of people. So look out for that. Um, more information will become, we're creating the panel and we are creating, um, space to, uh, to, we're working that out. We're working logistics. It takes some time. Um, the other thing I wanted to remind you guys is that Vanessa and I have created a very dynamic way of helping you heal your trauma. We created a, a session. It's a, it's a, it can, I don't know how many part session, because it depends on the person, but it's called trauma release. And what it, what it is, it's about when you're ready and you know, you're dealing with something that's, you know, that is part of your trauma and you want to work on releasing it, understanding it, releasing it. The way I think the way we both feel the best way to do it is, is twofold. Yes. One you know, we have the expertise and the intuition of Vanessa who helps you work it out, suss it out, like where, you know, whose camp does this energy belong to and why, you know, why can we release this and what it entails, whatever that entails, her process. And then when we create that space within ourselves energetically, we release some cellular memory. We have to fill it with love. We have to fill it with good high vibrational energy because we don't want anything less than that filling that space. We don't want to create that vacuum. Um, So then you come see me and then we work on bringing in that beautiful love from spirit, from the universe that is loving, that is supportive, that light, 
that pure energy and we clear out the cellular memory and any other tendrils and not only your physical body, but your energetic fields as well. And then we fill that with light so that it's more of a permanent healing versus just a a momentary shift of energy, because that's what we're here for. We want you to be free of, of the things that hold you back that may not be serving you in your highest good. And we're here to help. And if you want to know more about it, if you want to experience it, um, go to our website, freudsangels.com slash trauma release. Trauma cleanse. Trauma cleanse. Sorry. Trauma cleanse. (laughs) And that's where you can sign up. You can send us your information. We can talk about it. We'll, We'll reach out to you to schedule it or schedule some sort of consultation. If you want to talk more, find out more about it, one of us can get in touch with you. And I, I think it's something that will turn into be one, a dynamic tool um, for a lot of people to help them work through some of their trauma, because awesome. it's not to say we can't be happy, you know, with our trauma, but we are sh- far freer, far more likely to experience the world in a pure sense when we can release a lot of our fil- trauma filters. Yeah. And I'll say like, even for, you know, how, how we work, I, I think that that the reason why we know that it works is because we've done it. <laughs> and see, yeah. Seeing that, you know, like how I've been there where we process something and then, you know, we have, we have a little bit of time to try to get that, that body part of it gone and the, the difference in how it feels and how the, it's just the knowledge that you've moved past it, you know, that we, that we drop the bag. Yeah. And we, and instead, and not just drop the bag and now we have no bag, we've brought another bag that's better. And when we say trauma cleanse, I feel like there's um, this thought process of, oh, I'll just heal all my relationship trauma right now. And I don't want to give you the, the idea that we will have one shot and then nothing will ever, you know, be a problem. There's so many parts of our trauma that I feel like we need to touch on. So the more specific that we get, the better, because then we know what's working. We know what we're getting at. We know exactly what that root is. So um, I just felt like that mattered because it, it really, it really can create, like when you come in with um, expectations that are different than what we're getting at, you maybe you might get scared, right? Like you're coming in here for like a woo, and it's like, oh no, we're gonna go deep. <laughs> like just prepare for that because the deeper you go, the more the release, the deeper right. the cleanse. Absolutely. And speaking of our topic today, maybe you struggle. Maybe you're a codependent re- relationship creator. Maybe you struggle with people pleasing. Maybe mm-hmm. that's the slice of the facet of that of that diamond that you need to clear up and polish and to release some things in order to see that full facet. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's a valid reason or for like right now, for me, I'm seeking out my trauma around money. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm super like invested in, okay, what is, what is that trauma? What, where did I learn the relationship and why is it a black or white thing? And why is my worth wrapped up into, into money? Yeah. making it. And that's, so there's, there's a lot of avenues that we could take it. 
And there's a lot of ways we can go. And like everything in this world, there's tentacles. Like my money isn't just because of my mom's relationship with money that I'm nearing. It's my dad's relationship with money. It's my grandparents' relationship with money. It's my, you know, my familial patterns that are coming into play here. So it's, it's, that's why sometimes when we clear something, we, it may show up again and we're like, why the, I did this, we did this, but it's showing up because it's showing you, oh, but here's another part of that that needs to go yeah. to. Yeah. So it's important to know that it's not all, our roots are not just one shaft and that we yeah. pull up and we cleanse it and we're done. Yeah. Roots have a lot of these other little roots that extend from the major one to create this beautiful plant well mm-hmm. it's the same thing when it cre- comes to our trauma there's yes. facets of it that we need to clear and we just take one facet at a time to make sure we're not in overwhelm because too many at one time and we go into this state of overwhelm and create more trauma absolutely and it just makes it's like clearing out the brush like when you think about it you know and you're looking when you're looking for something the more yeah. brush that you can clear out the better you see everything that's there. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's, that's why we know that this is a beautiful offering and that this is a good thing because it's clearing out that brush. And the more you do that, the easier life is. I mean, we operate from our trauma systems, you know, that, that our trauma systems are put in place to keep us safe from that trauma happening again. So we are always going to operate immediately from autopilot from our trauma, because that's the unsafe thing that we're looking out for. What we want to do is be able to release all of those bit by bit, little by little. But as we start to do it, it becomes easier. We see them. We see it come in sooner. We attack it sooner. We attack it better. You know, um, I think that that's, you know, it's just, it's just a beautiful, we could go on and on and on about how, (laughs) how much we love this. (laughs) Um, But I think if you're curious, come experience it. And then, you know, you'll know, you'll see, you'll feel it. (laughs) I'll be like, wow, why didn't I do this before? (laughs) Exactly. So my friends, I hope that in our kind of our little bit of a long-winded way that we talked about many different points today, that you understand the difference when you're judging versus your discernment and that you trust your discernment and judge less, especially (laughs) yourself my friends. Yeah. It's always everything we talk about applies to others, but it majorly applies to ourselves. Let's, let's be less judgy of ourselves and have a little bit more discernment and see, wow, no wonder why you're having a little bit of a breakdown. That's a lot of shit to handle. You just experienced a major trigger. (laughs) Like let's, let's be entire life this week. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Why am I not handling this? Well, yeah. Yes. How could you? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. True story. So if you have any questions, if you need to reach out to us, Freudsangels at gmail.com or hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, wherever you are. uh, We are here to help. We love you. We thank you for being here and sharing this space with us. Yes. Love you all. If you were triggered by anything said in this podcast, please dial 911 or go to your local emergency room. More deeply understand your unique emotional reaction to today's podcast, I'd love for you to connect with me. You can find me at vanessaperrycounselor at gmail.com or at www.vanessaperry.net. And 
If you wish to take your healing further through energy work or channeling angels or the highest level beings, please reach out to me, Grace, at graceevergreen.com or graceevergreen at outlook.com. And always remember you are loved, you are worthy, and the world needs your light.